Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, mediocrity disruptor and owner of Downset Lead, Rod Bourne. Hey, what you drink? Wow. I mean, that's a great story, and it really does highlight the importance of having mentors. And you said you said that earlier, that if you don't have a mentor, I don't know how you do this do this thing called life without mentors, either physically in your presence or invisible mentors. But it also highlights the impact of speaking life into someone. Because you, you and I kind of share that in common in, in that, you know, uh, I, I was kind of doing my thing in corporate America and w- was doing a pretty good job, but, uh, you know, felt really good about having some of the corporate names behind me, you know, work for the Coca-Cola company and working for Kraft Foods. And, and that's kind of what I led with. And, and it wasn't until I had an opportunity to befriend my pastor. We just really developed a friendship beyond me being a parishioner and, and, and him leading the entire church. We started meeting for breakfast just to talk about life. And it was Pastor Gary Brooks who said, you know, hey, look, I, I, I'm really struggling with some issues within the, within the church leadership. He was brilliant uh, behind the pulpit, brilliant uh, as far as a t- storyteller and certainly knew uh, scripture and what he was talking about. But he, I, I could just tell that he was struggling with some of the leadership elements of of managing the other ministry leaders in the church. And so I just offered, you know, hey, look, I, I've led a couple of teams. Would it help you if I, if I come in and share what I understand uh, about leadership, share some of the training that I've been through around leadership and just share that with you and the rest of your ministry leaders. He took me up on the offer. Uh, I cobbled together some some concepts that that seemed to make sense to me as, as a leader and and presented that at one of their staff meetings. What was supposed to be one session turned into four sessions. Uh, what was originally supposed to end at a, at, a, at a fourth session turned into a sermon that he preached. And when he preached that sermon, he was just getting into podcasting and live streaming. So that sermon ended up in the hands of other pastors. And then one pastor came back to me and said, you know, hey, look, uh, you you know me as a pastor, but I also teach at this local university. Would you come speak to my class? And then after speaking to his class, uh, you know, I, I was involved in a couple of nonprofit organizations and was on a board of a couple of nonprofit organizations and you know met with one of the nonprofit board meetings and everyone was kind of chatting about what they did the week before and i just shared you know hey look this is what i did the week before it was amazing here's the journey and i was speaking to this class they seemed to get a lot out of it and 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 sitting in the um the 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 board table was an executive that said you know hey look we're kind of struggling with that within our organization would you come and speak to our organization and then all of a sudden, to back, let's go back to our conversation about flow. I found 
the flow. I found the current and I literally picked a spot downstream and said, you know, hey, love, I would love to do this full time. I would love to do this most of my time. And that's what ended us on this podcast today. And it wasn't something that was directly across the river. <laughs> you know, the, it, it's funny when I speak with my, with my accountability partners, uh, we talk about this book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And one of the laws is the law of least effort. It's literally the thing that takes the least amount of effort to do that was a clue that this might be what you were put on this planet to do, to work in. And so I just love the way our lives kind of parallel that. And, you know, just as I, just as I, you know, look at your face right now, there's a, there's a calmness about you. That doesn't necessarily mean to me that every day is, is easy, <laughs> but there seems to be this confidence that I'm in the flow of what I was put here to do. Talk to me a, a little bit about that, that this calm look that I see on your face. <laughs> well, what well, might be the Jefferson small batch, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, you know, it's just one of those awesome, awesome things where you feel like I'm home. This is where I belong. Like I said, one of the things in 2020 that I, I heard that made the biggest impact on me is there are people out there waiting to love you. And I would encourage everybody listening to this to kind of run that through their mind a couple of times. There are people out there waiting. Your, your life could suck right now, but understand that there are people out there waiting to love you. They just haven't found you yet. You haven't mm. found them. Let me, uh, let me give you a couple of, I love to have fun as, as I mentioned. I'm okay with putting myself out there. I've, I've always been kind of the, you know, I don't know if you call it the class clown, class cut up, but I mean, you know, I was always kind of like that in school or whatever. I would put myself out there. Um, but people like that. You know, pe you know, what is the sexiest thing in the world, Galen? It's confidence. Am I am, am, right? Yeah. Absolutely. The sexiest thing in the world is confidence. And if you don't believe me, go, go back and look at the show um, Jersey Shore. I don't know if you remember that, but I mean, it was the dumbest people doing the dumbest things and people loved them because they were so damn cocky and, 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 and so damn sure of themselves, but they had a following. They had a following, whether you agree with them or not, they had a following. So, you know, I'll come up with an idea, you know, guys, we're going to go do this. Um, okay, sure. As long as, you know, Rod, you go ahead, you be the leader and we'll follow you. And, and at the end of the night, guys, did we have fun? Yes, we had fun. And, you know, that, that's one of the things that I'll often talk about, Galen, uh, when, when I make a presentation about leadership, is that 90% of the people in the world are totally happy with being the follower and being led. They're like, all right, who wants to be the lead? All right, Galen, yay, Galen's going to go out in front. And go, Galen, you, you got this, baby. It's all yours, man. We're right here behind you. And the good thing, especially about Americans, I think, is we're a very forgiving lot. You know, believe me, just look at, the, you know, any of the presidents that we've had. And, you know, like, you know, presidents can screw up whether they're, the, you know, the president of the country, whether the president of a company or whatever. But, you know, they screw up. But if you come back and you're like, guys, 
I screwed up. I'm sorry. You know, as long as you, you have that honesty with your people, they'd be like, no problem, Galen, keep doing it. We, you got this baby. We're right behind you. People want for the most part to be led. And as long as it's by an honest person who, if they make a mistake, say, guys, I made a mistake, boom, boom, boom. But here's what I still believe in. You're, you, you continue to feed them a vision. They're like, yes, we believe in your vision. We're glad that you're out in front. Go lead. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, know, you talk about developing that confidence because the more you do something, the more you have success with something, the more confidence you're going to get in doing it, correct? And so put yourself out there. Give yourself the opportunities. You know, one of the things that you said just a couple of minutes ago is dead on. I, you know, I did it. I know lots of people who have done it where you go and you speak at a friend's class. You know, the friend's a adjunct professor somewhere at a community college. And hey, come on in and talk to the group about this something, you know, about this topic that you, you know, you, you really know a lot about. And you go and you like, and like, boom, that, that, that was great. And then you start actually being the, the professor. And then you start actually going out and giving talks about it or what. You go up the ladder. And, you know, going towards what your goal is, you're climbing towards, you're going down the river towards, you're flowing to where you belong. You have a calling and you're answering the calling and you hear the voices. And trust me, people, whatever it is that you want to do, as long as it is a good, blessed thing, there are people that will welcome you and give you an opportunity to lead them. And as long as you're honest and share a vision with them, they're like, yay, go Galen, knock the ball out of the park. We're right with you, baby. Something that you said reminded me of my absolute favorite television show in the early 2000s. So I'm going to date myself. And I've never really been a fan of television. But every now and then, I would find a show that just absolutely captures me. And that show for me in the, in the early 2000s was West Wing. And there is a line that came late in that series. And the line is something like, in the absence of true leadership, the people will follow anyone who steps up to the mic. And I, you, know, you just reminded me of that is, you, you reminded me of the fact that People are looking for someone to take the lead. And I believe that people can recognize true leadership, but in the absence of true leadership, anyone who's willing to step up to the mic, <laughs> I'm gonna get behind this dude. And so that that gives you two responsibilities. Number one, if you are the true leader and you know, and you know, again, I'm gonna paraphrase advice I used to get from my dad, growing up, particularly playing sports, he would say, Galen, when you're, when you're playing basketball, you look into the eye of the guy across the line from you, and you know in your heart of hearts whether or not you're better than they are. And if you're not, then you've got a decision to make as to how you're going to approach this. But you know in your heart whether or not they've got more ability than you do. And I, I think that the, true, the same is true for leadership. You can be in the bowels of the organization. You know in your heart of heart whether or not you've got something to offer this organization. And you've got a decision to make. You can either raise your hand and say, hey, look, this is what I'm willing to do to help us achieve this goal. Or you can continue to play small 
and you don't benefit, the organization doesn't benefit, and those who are looking for true leadership, they're gonna settle for whoever steps up to the mic. And you just you 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 just brought all of that back to me. And so you know, one of the things that, that I've been doing lately is being trying to trying to get a true definition of of the name of this podcast. What does this podcast actually mean to people? Because it makes sense to me, you know, whiskey, jazz, leadership. I like all three. Literally, the, the metaphor works for me. Whiskey uh, is something that I love literally, but the metaphor is doing what you love with the people who love it, regardless of anyone, regardless of whether anyone else around you enjoy it or not. That's the metaphor. Jazz is how do you get from point A to point B on time and in key, even when you don't have sheet music in front of you, right? How do you just have the confidence that, and actually I talked about this with, uh, with my coaching coach. So although I am a coach, I have a coach on my coaching business. And one of the things that she really impressed upon me because coaching is a little different than what people think that it is. People often think that coaching is about giving advice and coaching really is about asking questions that cause the client to think about how do you articulate what it is that they know that they need to do. And so the advice that I continue to get from my coach is trust the question, trust the process, Trust that although you don't necessarily know where this is going to go, it's going to go where it needs to. And so I, I, I bring that back to jazz. And, and for me, the, the jazz metaphor is, how can you trust the music? How can you trust your ability to play? And how can you trust that this tune is going to get to where it needs to be on time and in key? And it's kind of a metaphor for life for me as well. And then leadership, I mean, we've talked so much about leadership and that's one, that's just, that's just one of the things that I've already come to love about you, dude. But for me, leadership is this metaphor that nothing happens until somebody does something. And, and I used to say when I was in sales, nobody eats unless somebody kills something. We can, we can design the menu, we can talk about recipes, but until somebody kills something, nobody's going to eat, right? And even if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, until you cut something down, <laughs> no, nobody's going to eat unless somebody kills something. So help me with this metaphor, because for me, those three things fit together as a metaphor for life. But I, I'm really curious as to how does this fit for you? Does it fit? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be you know, honest with you on all three. So I love whiskey. Um, I can't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these aficionados. One of my favorite things that I do, and, and again, this is Rod Bean Rod. I am part Scottish. When I was, when my dad was around, you know, he took us to the Scottish Highland Games every year. And I'm, you know, one of maybe the eight people on the face of the earth outside of Scotland that likes bagpipe music, but I do. And, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I have a kilt that I actually love to wear. And on St. Andrew's Day, which is the Scottish version of St. Patrick's Day, 
I throw it on and I created several years ago, Kilt Night. And what we do is we, uh, you know, for, for those of us brave enough to wear kilts, okay, because I've got some, hey, I'm not going to wear a skirt. I'm like, fine. But, but, they, but they're like, but I'm coming along because I want to see what, what happens. You know, they're, they're, you know, again, I, please do not think of me as some egotistical bastard because I, I, I really do not, you know, I, I try to be very, very sincere. But I'm like, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go throw on a kilt. And I'm going to go to this place in Fells Point here in Baltimore. I, I live in the Baltimore area. Fells Point, gorgeous historical area. Um, if anybody's listening to podcasts and they want tips on where to go in, in Baltimore, Fells Point's a great place to start. Cobblestone Street, really cool bars. There's one there, Galen, it's called Birds of a Feather. And it is literally a scotch bar. It is a, the, a lot of the places in Baltimore are townhouses, and they, they might be uh, restaurants or bars that are old townhomes that have been converted, but they still have their, their skinny and long. So in this one, you walk in, and the first thing that threw you was the woman behind, it was owned by a doctor at Hopkins, is owned by a doctor at Hopkins, and he married someone who's Chinese. So you walk in, there's this Chinese woman behind the bar, and she speaks per- perfect English, and she knows everything there is to know about Scotch. So it was awesome, because, and, and what they did was really smart, because they've got a map of Scotland, and it breaks down the different geographical areas and the types of scotch, the flavoring and everything comes from that. And so it was wonderful. I love to learn, uh, you know, and so we would go there and they were kind enough that they, they would pour quarter drams. I mean, so it's just like a couple sips if you wanted just to taste something, but she would give you, if you were, were willing to listen, she would give you an education. And, you know, so there are some people that they like the smoke. They like the peat, not me, not very much at all. And all of that, and it's weird, you know, what do you like? You know, whether we're talking scotch, whether we're talking wine, whether we're talking soda, you know, whatever, what do you like? Don't be one of these, excuse me, you know, I'll, I'll just say jerks. It's like, oh, well, you know, Galen, what you're drinking there is only, you know, blah, blah, blah. Drink what you want to drink. Have fun. And for these jerks that are, oh, well, Galen, you obviously don't, you know, let them be the jerks that they are. Okay. You go ahead and tell me not to put a cube in mine because that's killing it. Well, I like it with the single cube. Thank you very much. And that's what I'm going to do. And you can, if that means you think less of me, then you're obviously not one of the people that I'm supposed to go hang out with. I'm not going to get anything by being around that person. And I'm going to drink what I want to drink. And you know what? More and more people want to join me on Kilt Night every year because they're like, they see what we do. They enjoy trying something new. And let's be honest, Galen, women love men in kilts. And they <laughs> see the reaction that the women in the bars have are <laughs> wearing our kilts. And, and they're like, I'm, I'm wearing a kilt next year. <laughs> like, okay, tough guy, you do that. <laughs> and it's fun to do. As for jazz, I'll tell you, I got my jazz education from my son. My son played uh, plays alto sax. And he just, I, I mean, it was amazing to watch him just dive into, and, and, and every Christmas, Dad, I want a Cab Calloway and a Herbie Hancock CD. And I would sit down and I would listen to them with him. And I'll be honest with you, I never really sat and listened to jazz until my son came of age and started playing and more and more and more. And 
he, you know, he's like me in some ways. He's a dork. He's like, I like playing, playing sax. And, and he would do it, you know, when, when his friends were out doing other things, he would be because he wanted to, he wanted to get better at it. And so I learned songs, you know, we, we went one summer, um, he's like, I want to go to a jazz camp. And so we went to a jazz and there was this, you know, young female friend of his who she's like, that sounds really cool, but I don't play anything. And how cool is this? The director of the jazz camp says, you sing though, don't you? And she does. She goes, yeah. He goes, I could use an Ella. Wow. And let me tell you, you know, at the end of every summer camp, you go and you see all the stuff that your kids made and it's, you know, there's all that macaroni art on the wall or whatever. <laughs> well, I got to go in and hear Colin play his alto sax and his friend Taylor sing. And let me tell you, it was amazing. And I learned so much. And their teacher, Benny, I mean, just an amazing guy. And, you know, he's the kind of guy who's like, Colin, anytime you want, we get together on Sunday nights and you just come in for as long as you want play whatever you want with us. And when you have to go, you go. And that's the world Galen that I want to build where we are cool with saying, Rod would love to have you stop by, contribute what you can and go. And how that translates, because you said something a couple of minutes ago that really caught my ear, how that translates in work is, you know, you're working there in the guts of Anheuser-Busch or wherever you are. And you want more out of life and you put yourself out there. You take a chance. I can tell you that you will get noticed both good and bad, you know, the, by, by the jerks or the bad. Okay. And you say, I think I've got an idea that could help us. You may be in a sick organization, sick, meaning that they don't give enough value to the people that want to make it a better place. And the difficulty is you may find that you're, that you really, really want to do something. You want to make a change. You may need to change the team you're on. You may need to change the organization you're in. Maybe it's just a lateral move. You stay within your organization, but you go work for someone else who's got a different vision within their own department. But that's the, and, and that's where the rubber hits the road. Okay. You know, we're, we're talking about leadership and you get real esoteric about it and, you know, high and lofty and everything, but where does the rubber really hit, hit the road, Galen? And that is, you know, you're 20, 30, 40, even 50 years old and you're working in the guts and you're like, I can do more. We should be doing more. We should be doing better. You know, to the degree that you feel safe doing it put it out there because I can guarantee you. And, and I know this from my years of human resources, you know, you've got that one person who, you know, makes the world miserable for everybody in the office and everyone is just silently praying that they get hit by a bus <laughs> or that you, the boss will take corrective action and get rid of them because that, that one person's making life miserable for the other nine, right? That's a Pareto principle, the old 20, the eight, the 80, 20 rule, right? But if you can't, affect change enough so that you're happy. Go get happy. Remember, there are people out there waiting to love you. It may not be in that office. It may be in the office that's down the hall. It may be in the building that is next to your building. But get yourself out there because people will begin to notice you. You'll attract the people who believe in whatever it is that you believe in. 
and you make your tribe that way. Man, we are going to be close friends, I can tell right now. I mean, the moment you said Jefferson Small Batch, uh, I, I breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> because this is what it is about. This is what you get when you listen to and subscribe to Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership. And dude, I, I got to bring you into the into the VIP room, man. Uh, my VIPs are gonna my VIPs are gonna love you. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, let's end this conversation while we're still cooking on 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 nines here, and go directly into the VIP room because one of the things that I just really want to get your take on is something that you just mentioned. And it's, it's this idea, this actually reminds me of something that my, my pastor said that um, just continued to haunt me for a long time. He said that we are all designed for greatness, but for some reason we settle for something similar too. And it was that comment that really caused me to, to start evaluating what is that something that causes us to settle for something similar to what we know that we're supposed to be doing. And if, you, if you're listening and you listen to my conversation with Teresa Bruni, we talk about fear. And fear is the thing that stands in the way of what we know in our gut that we were put here on the planet to do. And I wanna get your, I wanna get your take on this fear thing. How do you overcome the fear? There had to be some fear in that first time someone suggested, you know, hey, hey, Rod, why don't you put on this kilt? <laughs> there had to be just a little fear, but now you've created this whole thing around almost thumbing your nose at fear and stepping into that into that space. So, dude, if you're okay, man, I, I say we cheers, we toast here. Um, what what are some final words that you want to share with our general podcast listeners, uh, and how can they get a hold of you before I drag you into the VIP room? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I like to tell people about to think about is that leaders remove obstacles. You should be having enough conversation with all of your people that you know what it is that they're supposed to be doing. You know what they're having issues with. And based on their level of ability, and that's just, you know, experience, what are they having trouble with? And to the degree that you still need them to become even better. Um, you, you help them to a degree with the obstacle that's keeping them from being able to shine because if they shine, you shine. So if you haven't had that particular conversation with what obstacle is keeping you from shining, ask that question. Mm. I love it. I love it. Hey, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for believing that this would be a great conversation because it was. Thank you so much for reaching out to us and saying, dude, I've got something to say that that would advance this mission that you have for releasing leaders from these constraints that, that they believe that they have to live within. And just thank you for this work that you're doing, man. I, I just I'm, I'm just so excited about where our relationship can lead because I, I got a feeling this is not the last time that we're going to be together. Uh, amen. Yeah, I can tell you now it's, it's not. You're going to have to be like, oh my God, there's Rod again. <laughs> <laughs> so raise your glass, man, and let's cheers out. 
Cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.